We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When is the time you regret booking a vacation to Portugal? When you find out Arsenal are coming to America. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. Uh, I am in Portugal. I am outside of Lisbon. I am in a lovely house that we've rented. My parents have joined. My wife and children are here. Um, Not the ones they don't know about, the actual ones. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, my whole family is together uh, outside of Lisbon, and I booked it. And like one week after I book it, Arsenal announced, we're going on a USA preseason tour. And so I'm happy to be here. Don't get me wrong. I feel very uh, fortunate to be here. But maybe just that that wistful thought of the memories missed by not being in the USA to meet up with uh, all you fabulous people who will be there in Orlando and Baltimore. But there's still a podcast to do. Uh, and there's still Arsenal news to talk about, including the fact that Arsenal played a game and won a game. And I think it is an exercise in realizing that it's not just the players who train for the season. We all train for the season. And I I have to admit, I'm impressed with everybody. i got to give everybody credit because Twitter Arsenal was ready for the season. There was no need for preseason. There was hysteria over the performance in the first half. There was massive reaction to the way we performed in the second half. It was mid-season form from Arsenal Twitter and social media reaction. Uh, and, of course, our Discord match day chat, which... All you need to know about that is that I had to create a calm match day chat channel for people who could not hack it in the main one. So, yeah, it's all happening. There's transfer news. We're going to get to all that stuff. I just want to say I hope everyone is doing well, enjoying their summer, and maybe taking just a little deep breath before we get too, too ready for the season. I'm going to make one more comment. There are laws in the UK that are slightly different than laws in other places, and these laws prevent people from speaking on certain things. They are very serious and they need to be taken very seriously. And so there have been people who've gotten in touch to say, when are you going to speak on certain things? And I want you to know that when we are able, there is a willingness and readiness to speak on certain things should that time come. That time is not now. And I hope that you will understand that. Um, And 
I literally cannot say anything further. So with that, I will introduce Tim, who's on Twitter, as Roberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Greetings. Greetings. Um, and Clive, who's on Twitter, Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, indeed. And I hope that you gentlemen agree that what I have said is a fair representation of the situation. Great. Okay, so uh, let's dive into it. And there are some players returning to training, but it, it occurs to me, we, we did an instant reaction pod on Patreon for the um, for the match, if you want to call it that, um, against Nuremberg. And uh, I want to get into it now. And, and Tim, I'll start with you. Let's jump to the end, and then maybe we can jump back to some of the other things. Like, Sometimes when you love your players, and ideally we should love all our players, it's not always easy, but we certainly root for them. Sometimes a player of quality shows up and resets or reminds you of what real quality looks like. And you get so used to trying to squint and see the elite quality in the players you have that when you get elite quality in the team, you're suddenly smacked in the face with it. And I think Gabriel Jesus may do that. This is a player I've been excited for us to even think about signing for years. I was super excited about the signing. And based on one half of a preseason game, I think it's time for victory laps, clearly. No, I'm kidding. But like, Timmy stepped on the pitch and he showed real quality. And I think it is going to push other players to be better. It is going to help other players find space they didn't have before. But most importantly for us as fans, I think it's going to be a little bit like a drink in the desert and I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. You know me, I don't read too much into certainly not the early preseason games, but I'm very happy and willing to read lots and lots into this. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. It. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something we, we've spoken about as well, right? Like our expectations of what a striker does have become very, very low <laughs> and all of a sudden seeing someone who can link play and then get in the box afterwards um, feels, yeah, like you say, like a drink in the desert. What you said there about, you know, when quality shows up and you, you actually see what quality, the, the signing, I mean, there are lo- there are actually loads of signings I think this compares with. Um, you know, a bit like uh, someone someone like Thierry Henry. And again, I'm not saying for one second that Gabriel Jesus is going to be as good as Thierry Henry was. Um, but, you know, that kind of post-hype thing. But it, it reminds me of Erdegaard as well. That's one I've pointed to a lot, that kind of, you know, clearly very talented, um, not quite the same as Erdegaard because he's actually won stuff at a big club, Gabriel Jesus. But that kind of, as far as I'm concerned, hasn't, reached his potential yet hasn't shown his potential yet and and that's not saying he, he's been really good but I think there is world class in that I really really do I've always thought that and um and and yeah it kind of just reminded me a little bit of when Erdegaard showed up and we hadn't really had a number 10 for about 18 months um since you know since Ozil um was kind of forced into slash volunteered into semi-retirement <laughs> um and then we got Smith Rowe in there and it's like oh wow th- this is really good um and then we got Erdegaard in there and you're like ah yeah that's a number 10 isn't it that's what a number 10 does all those those number 10 things yeah 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 <laughs> I remember those yeah. Um, and and I, I I think you're right. I think it's going to be exactly the same with Gabriel Jesus. And I think the really interesting thing about it, for, I mean, first of all, we've got the signing done really early. So he's playing in our first preseason game. And I think that's so important. I think that was important to the player as well as the team. But I just think and hope it makes us a bit of a surprise at the beginning of next season because it does take teams a little while to adjust. So when we play Palace at Selhurst Park, like they knew when we played them in April, push up to the halfway line, 
nothing going in behind and we can squeeze them. If if the, I mean, I'm sure they will try and do a version of that again. And look, I'm not sitting here and saying we're going to win 3-0 or anything like that. We could easily lose that game, but I think it's going to be different. I almost kind of hope Palace do try that and assume they're playing the same team that they played in April because I really think we've got the tools now to cope with that a bit better. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's not... I'd like for us to cope better with stuff like that with increased technical quality, but having a guy who can run in behind and stretch you and worry you and run into those channels and run into the box. And I, I love that first goal from Gabriel Jesus as well, like the finish... That just emphatic, just absolutely smashed in from a narrow angle. And his second goal as well, getting across the defender. Like all of this stuff is just stuff we have not seen <laughs> yeah. for quite a long time now. And it can't just be put in on a plate for me and I'll score, though. He went on one solo run that was really incredible and like nearly finished it with a goal. And I get that nearly a goal is not a goal, but it's the point that he's also someone who once in a while will create his own thing will will make something happen without needing it to be the perfect move. The other thing you see, the, the goal I like almost better, weirdly, is, is the one, well, obviously, because Martinelli provided the assist, I love it, but is that goal for the simple reason that who made that run last season? That ball still needs an excellent finish, but that run was not there. If that ball had gone to that spot, our number nine would have had a great view of it from the top of the D. Like, that's what would have happened, right? And, like, that's not to kill the guy. It's just it, that run wasn't there. And so I think, you know, Enkedia wants to make hurtful runs. To his credit, I think that's the thing he does well. Gabriel Jesus, clearly, I mean, the number of little dagger runs he makes in deep, he just doesn't sit still. And, you know, we always talk about who the center backs want to face, right? Are they going to have a hard day? Or are they going to have an easy day? And I think he's the kind of center, he's the kind of center forward that whatever you think of his, his quality, he's going to make that a real annoying day for those central defenders, right? They're going to have to follow runs, decide whether to hold a line or not hold a line. And those little decisions, do I go or do I stay? Or do I stay or do I go? Like those, those are going to put back lines under pressure and open up space for Saka and for Martinelli and even second man runs, you know, from maybe Nodegaard or whoever's on the left side of that. Yeah. I, I, yeah please. I, I just wanted just to like further the analogy of like when we actually had a number 10 again, I, I guess like hearing you say uh, what you said there, I, th- I think I would almost draw a line to, we just basically didn't have a nine for ages. Then in coming in was a bit like when Smith Rowe came in like a year earlier and you're like, ah, this is, ah, yeah, yeah, I remember this. And then, like, Jesus is like the Erdegaard and like the, ah, yeah, but this is what it's like when someone really, really, really does it to, like, a very, very high standard. And it's it's that jump from, and again, yeah. I, I'm not looking to bag in Ketia or Smithrow. Honestly, delighted they're both in our squad. And obviously, Smithrow doing a slightly different role. But it does feel like that. We did have no one. And then we had someone, like, competent to good. And now we've got someone excellent. Yeah. And and I mean also it's not just quality. He's he's right in the heart of his prime now, right? So it's he's he's the finished article now, or at least getting right to that point, as opposed to some games they really have it, some games they don't, because they're still learning they're still learning their game a bit. And I don't know, Clive. Like I do think we do it. We're we're all guilty of it. I am to oh, you know, a player comes into our team. He plays, you know, he plays a handful of decent games. He's 21 years old, and we're like, he's world class, he's world class. And, like, we don't have a lot of world-class players. We have a lot of players that could be world-class, that 
might develop into that. But like Smith Rowe's not there yet. Martinelli's not there yet. I don't know that I think Odegaard is there yet, although the talent is there. Bukayo Saka is probably just about there in midfield. We don't have, well, we may have one um, in defense. I think we have players who are on the brink of it, maybe, you know, but none of them, I think, are really necessarily there. The goalkeeper is probably trending that direction. But, like, to me, Gabriel Jesus is right now the best player in the team, day one. And that raises everyone's level. And there are other players we have that can hit his level on their day, but I think he's there more consistently. And I, I love when you do that because I do think that a rising tide floats all boat and, and, and a better player forces the level up in the team. Um, and I think that will happen. And any Tim typed it into the chat, but I had it in mind too. He had a great post-match interview, you know, talking about wanting to win everything, right? He wants to win everything. He, he doesn't care about being the superstar. He wants to win everything. So in terms of his play and his character, I think he's embracing the idea of being the guy for this club and it feels like a good fit. So what did you pull out of this performance of his? And then we'll get to some of the other players that were on the pitch because there were other players on the pitch. But in, and, and again, one half of the first preseason game, I get it. But these are your first looks at what he's going to try to be at this club. And so I think it's fair game to analyze the, the character and the type of play that we're seeing. Yeah, it was, it, it was very refreshing to see <laughs> how good he was. And we like, you haven't got to be a super analyst to work out, oh my God, we've got a forward, right? So one of my sayings is, in football, you're as good as your forwards. You know, we've said that one before, and it's sometimes you just need you don't realize it until you see one. I mean, even with my own team that I'm involved with, we, we got a new forward this year, and straight away we started playing to him. Everything changed, everything changed because we could see he was in charge of his jewels. We became more competitive, and I, and I use that in some of my analogies with the podcast. And when you have good forwards, your game plan everything changes, you can't wait to get it to them. You know, and um, the only thing I saw in this game that worried me a little bit, that he took the rucksack that Bakaya Saka had been carrying the club in off of his back and, and, and got it onto his back. And I don't want one player to have the rucksack on, if you know what I mean. We want a You're few players. you saying he needs more rest. we got to rest him for the next preseason game. I said, I said get him off. <laughs> if you look at my Twitter timeline, I said, right, after the goal, I said, can we sub him now to protect him for the rest of the season? <laughs> yeah. That was after the first goal, literally uh, like three minutes in. And we all had that little bit of a, you know, I made a joke of it, right? But we all, we're all thinking, oh, please, please, please don't get injured. Please don't get injured. We, we, we really like you. You're, you're a really good player. You fit us perfectly. And the interview afterwards was so enlightening. I mean, it was almost as enlightening as his performance. They said to him, you're the superstar. He said, no, I'm not the superstar. We need to do this together. I believe in this project. I mean, he, he sounded like a technical director, for God's sake. I mean, he was really, he was. He say the out, word project a lot. <laughs> he was outstanding. Outstanding as an individual and as a football player. It's nice when the club gets something right, you know, and I don't think there's many debates about his quality. Um, but actually, I, I agree with him. I don't think we scratch the surface with him. I think he's, I think he feels emboldened. I think he's thinking, right, I'm going to show everybody what I've really got. You know, and I'm going to be the middle of this team, and I'm free. Do you know what I mean? Look at that to me, and um, there was no missing. And I tell you now, there were players in that pitch 
that didn't have their top button done up on their shirts in the first half that were livelier in the second half. The moment he came on and they started springing about, moving about and, and not to embarrass themselves. And it looked sharper, you know? And um, I tell you, it was so interesting to see that. And I, and I, you know me, I think we mustn't be afraid of good players, mate. Get good players in. Don't worry about who you're upsetting. Get them. Just get them and let them fight for the shirt. And, and if, let them fight for the shirt and fight for all of us, right? Just get them in. Don't worry about whose careers you're upsetting. We need people that can do it at the top level. We've been waiting at the edge of um, glory now for two, three years. I think it's time to step mm. over that line. That, um, sorry, that, that top button bit, Clive, it just reminded me, I'm sure everyone's heard the Ian Wright anecdote about Dennis Bergkamp's pyjamas. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, like, I, I don't know if, if you haven't heard this, I'll, I'll very quickly, basically at an away game, Ian Wright and Dennis Bergkamp were rooming together and Wright, he said, you know, I, we were going to bed and I was wearing like, just like my vest and my boxers and Dennis Bergkamp comes out the ensuite bathroom, like, in like proper silk pajamas, buttoned up to the chin, kind of thing with his wash bag, and he thought, "Oh my god, <laughs> like this this club is changing in front of my eyes." Yeah, exactly. I, I got to ask though, guys, we need we need a podcast poll here, and I, I don't know that I should be doing this live on the pod, but we just need to to discuss this. How many Jesus puns in the title this season are we allowing? Because like I'm I'm always thinking pod title as we're recording in like. Praise Jesus is the one coming to mind right now. But like, should I save that for the season? Keep that, you know, like how many of these are we going to, are we going to allow? I think they're endless, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We should maybe save it till we get a competitive goal. What do you think? I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, no, I, come on. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, he's already on the leaderboard. These count towards his season. I'm going to petition FB ref to put those two goals into his stats. Um, his, his XG is off the charts already. Um, but okay. So, we could do the whole podcast on Jesus, but let's save it because he's going to be such a big talking point. Tim, there are other players that played. And one of the players that I think I'm going to have my eye on a lot this preseason, not because I don't think he's he's great, but because I think there's still some discovery happening for him and for us, and that's Emil Smith-Rowe. Emil Smith-Rowe got the number 10 last summer. He is a big part of our first team, an important part of our first team. But Mikel Arteta made some big, big requests of this player, right? What did he say a 10 needs? What did he say, like 15 goals and 10 assists? I mean, he set some lofty numbers. And then he played out wide most of last season, right? Not as an interior, not as a, a playmaking 10, but as a, a more as a true winger. And I look at Gabriel Martinelli, and it's not that I see a more talented player necessarily, but I see a player who probably has a clearer sense of what he does. He runs up and down the touchline. He presses and harries like mad. He tries to, you know, drive into the box and get a shot or provide a cross. And that's like his identity on the pitch feels very clear. I think Emil Smith-Rowe's final position in our team is still up for grabs a bit. And I think that maybe is leading to the player not always putting in a consistent performance. Maybe I'm giving him an out. But this was a game, and, and again, preseason is difficult, right? Because you're going to look better if you're on the pitch with Jesus, right, and and an Odegaard and a Saka and you know the players that you might get to play with at one half, versus if you're on the pitch with a Patino, who impressed by the way, um, you know, an Inkedia, uh, um, you know, other players that maybe aren't quite at the same level. So, do you think that there's something to to be learned about Smith Rowe this preseason and to be figured out this season? I didn't think he looked as influential or sharp as he could. 
I, I am, again, giving the caveat that the players he was on the pitch with, not quite as good, but I think he is a player that will be under the microscope a bit, both for himself and for the fans. Yeah, hundred percent, and and it's just pure. Um, it's just purely about the progression of a player, right? You 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 give them some KPIs. You know, what did he do two seasons ago? Broke into mm. the team, established himself. Great. What did they do? Had a chat over the summer. New contract number ten. That means means we need more end product from you. Tick. Okay, he did that, um, mm. and and now a he's got to do it again. So there has to be repeatability. But b what's the next step? Well, the next step is. You're not quite a lock in the first 11 yet. And that's what you're going for. You've got big competition with Gabriel Martinelli. And you've got to, you've got to like really, really push and try and make that shirt yours. And I'd say um, that there are two things I think here. The first one I'd say is for Smith Rowe, if I were Arteta having it or one of the coaches having a discussion with him, I'd say to him, when you're not in the team, we want to notice you're not there if you know what I mean. We want to say, Arsenal are missing Smith Rowe today. And I don't think we're quite at that stage, which like I, ho- I know that sounds like a criticism and maybe it is a little bit, but it's because the player has big quality, I think, big quality. And I think he's on a good trajectory. I just think that's the next bit. It's the kind of, when Arsenal don't have Smith Rowe, I want, the co- I want to hear the commentator saying, hmm, they're missing Smith Rowe, aren't they? I want you to bring stuff that's obvious to the team. The other thing that really interested me about him playing on Friday was, I I mean, personally, I probably owe uh, Lee Carsley, the England under-21 coach, uh, an apology because I I was so surprised he was playing because Smith Rowe played for the under-21s this summer like three or four times. Now, all of the players who played internationally are coming back to pre-season training today but Smith Rowe didn't. He's he's obviously come back in the first tranche. So he played all these under-21 games, had a short break, and now he's back playing again. That tells me that has to be, obviously, that's deliberate. And there is a reason that they're doing that. And it must be about building his physical capability and saying, because the other big thing for him, right, is we also want a full season from you and not half a season because what we've had is two good half seasons so far. And so there there must be some kind of plan and it must have been that Arsenal said to England under-21s, yeah, play him. We we want him to play and then he'll get two weeks on the beach and then he's coming back and he's playing again. And so the strength and conditioning guys must have a plan for him because that's unusual. Um, But... I, I know nothing about strength and conditioning, obviously, but that's that's quite unusual. And but you want to see a different plan, probably for a player like Smithrow. They wouldn't be doing their jobs if they weren't sitting and looking at Smithrow and saying, "Why can't we get a season out of you?" So, they you know they have to have a slightly different plan for him as well. So I think the fact that he played at all was was really really interesting, and and even regardless of the actual performance. Um, I think that's one of the big takeaways from the game, just that he, his name on the team sheet. Yeah, and I, I don't feel the need to caveat my opinions on this, but I, I want to be clear that I'm not particularly criticizing Smithrow with any of this discussion. It's more that I think he's a player that can definitely establish himself in our first team. I think he has the talent to do it, and where that happens is interesting. I mean, I, I definitely thought he'd be an 8 or a 10. Like, I thought that's who he'd be, but I think his his short space passing, you know, the final third passing, the timing of it, 
the weight of it, the precision of it, that just has to get a little sharper. He's great carrying the ball at his feet. Obviously, he strikes the ball beautifully and has an ability to get his shot off and, and get past a man. I think if he just gets his timing a little bit better with that final third passing, I still think maybe there's a place for him in that left eight role. And and it's sort of interesting because we've got a lot of young players now, it seems, who will be looking at that, one of them being Fabio Vieira. Um, I'm in the land of Fabio Vieira. In fact, I mentioned that at the car rental counter um, when I got into Lisbon and uh, received a pretty bad reception to that mention because obviously this is uh, sporting Lisbon territory and not Porto territory, which was made very, very clear to me in that conversation. Clive, um, I I know you want to talk about Smith Rowe, but I I mean, if we don't get to Pablo Marie soon, I'm my head. No, I'm kidding. You can talk about Smith Rowe. Go for it. (laughs) Yeah, I think... Yeah, his last game, as Tim was talking, I, I looked up his last game. It was the 13th of June he played, and he's back mm. playing. So that tells you something, and I was surprised to see him playing. <laughs> and so there's something going on there. He looks he looks, he looks, looked bright in the game. He did look bright. I think what he needs to do, and I know Paul agrees on this, is get on the ball more. Just have more touches. Don't let the game go around you. He's very smart, really intelligent. He can... He can really impact and influence football matches. But I feel sometimes he's a bit peripheral and I think he's a bit conservative. I think he's a bit more aggressive and turn around and drive a little bit more and really push his game to the extremities. I think definitely if he does that, I think um, we'll all notice him a little bit more. And he's been challenged. And I, when, I, when I saw him play at the weekend, I thought, are you back early because you know this competition? You know, that's, that was my first thought. I didn't think about the strength condition, and Tim makes a good point. I think he knows it's all on, right? He's, he's already sharing with Martelli, and other players can play that left role. You know, easy. If we were to, if we were to buy a top right-sided player and Saka goes over to the left, that door is shutting quick, right? So, um, Not to mention he's, he's not Brazilian, which is quickly becoming a big strike against him. In this. And, and, and we're here, the three of us, right, and obviously – this, this is not this is not a new player to us. He's been coming over the hill for years, and we're all here debating. And we could have a we could have a podcast about his best position, just and we could argue. You know, we could make that last. You know what I mean? Because it's a it's a true debate. What is his best position? I don't believe in number tens. Full stop. Right? I'm not a big fan of them. I call them something else. Right? It's more of attacking eights, the third midfielder, the highest midfielder in three but they normally fit to one side. So 10 standing in the middle anymore, you know, blocking up zone 14, ain't happening. The, the football game has changed. We want to get pockets of people together. So, but he's an attacking mid. Is he an inside or an outside player? Does he want to drive past people? Does he run off the ball? Does he run through people? Did, when he receives it, can he turn Yes, he can do all these things, but is he doing enough of it to define himself? And it's not for us to define him it's for him to define himself so his position is obvious and that would be my coaching message to him right you make sure we know who you are and then we can fit you into the plan you know so um, mm. lovely player one I struggle to see I've, I've said it I put my hand up I've always struggled to see him Tim has seen him before I did I just I just when I don't see a player I'd go okay and, l- and let's Paul, see what you got fair, Paul was early yeah. on him yeah. Oh, I've seen him. Trust me, I've seen him. Hmm. I don't even know he's talented. He's not new. He's not a surprise. But it's hard to define him. That's what I mean by seeing yeah. him. It's hard to define him. Yeah. I've never been sure 
you know, and um, whereas other players, easy to define, you know. So, um, but hey, it's, it's, and, it's, and, and those players can go either way. But here's what I'll say, right? Alex Awobi was a great example of a very good player that we liked, that we developed, that played in our first team, but we weren't really able to define his role. He could link, he could carry, didn't have a shot, didn't have a final ball. The thing that's going to help Smith Rowe not fall into that space, I think, is he's all end product. He's going to score goals. Mm. If he's in your team, he's going to get you end product. And like, as long as you're doing that, there's a lot more time and patience to figure figure out where you fit on the pitch. Yeah. Because, yes, please. please. Sorry, mate. I, was just, I think as we get no, better, and we, and, and we will get better, and we'll have better defenders, and we'll be playing in the opposition half for a lot longer, I think this conversation may become mute. Do you know what I mean? Because if he's in the opposition half in tight spaces, turn towards goal, one, two combinations – we haven't really got much to teach him, have we? <laughs> do you know what I mean? He can do all that stuff. I think it's just as we're developing into a team and having those days when we get bossed about a bit at Palace, at Newcastle and things like that, we need to we need to find a way to overcome those gains to allow him to be more of himself for longer periods. I think that's the next mm-hmm. step. But I'm not, I'm not worried. I just think it's a debate. And I, he's not the only stylistic debate we'll have. There's other players like Kieran Tilly, for example, stylistically... It's not about talent. Stylistically, there's a conversation to be had, you know, and um, yeah. I find it interesting. Did we get, I think we did, but did we get confirmation that he was subbed off as a plan? Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. he was warming down afterwards, yeah. so no injury concern there. Okay. Uh, Tim, do you mind if I stay with Clive just for one second? Because I want to ask him about a player that played, and I, I know you didn't see the whole game, but uh, Clive, Charlie Patino, mm. look, I am not a great judge of physiques, Um as someone who's had to look at mine in the mirror for many, many years, um, you know, I, I don't know that I have the best judge of this sort of thing, but he was a boy when he played in the FA Cup, and he looks a little bit more like a man now, um, posting some pictures on social media that I think are designed to display his his added muscle that he's packed onto his frame. And, uh, you know, I think there is this age at which these very talented boys in the academy – start to grow into guys who are ready to to play the the man's game, the senior game. And, um, you know, I, I think maybe physically he feels he's ready. I think he looked a little bit more ready. I'm curious if you see a player who's growing into not just his body but his game and, and might be ready to to be a part of this team this season. If, and I'm not saying, like, he's playing against Palace on a Friday night, but is this someone who – Plays some Europa League and domestic cups instead of going on loan. Do we do we keep him in the group because midfield is a group that's struggling, and depending on what he can show, there may be a place for him. Yeah, uh, th- this player is uh, really, really, really exciting, and, uh, and I I've listened to all the hype, and I and I. Funny enough, I did watch him as a ten-year-old. Right, literally, mm. <laughs> that's how long I've known about. That's player. the age when you really know. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. And, and the only reason <laughs> if you don't I know was, at ten, you never know. <laughs> I think about ten or eleven. The only reason I saw him was was um, because my son, of not my some a friend of mine's boy was playing in the academy team at Luton, and Charlie Tina was playing two years up to play in that year. Right, so, and I thought, who is this? Who is this kid? <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he ran the game, right? So, like, um, so I'm trying to stay cool about this because I was always worried about his ability to move across the ground. Pace is always an issue. Physicality was always an issue. He grew very quickly, so he looked very willowy. He's no longer willowy in this game. You can see 
his mechanics, how he runs, has really improved. He's got a lot more ability to cover the ground. Where he is literally got nothing that we can teach him is the way he receives the ball and keeps the ball, we call it safe side. You keep it safe side, furthest away from the opponent. The way he chops it back keeps you off balance. When he plays the pass, he's not playing the pass to give it to somebody. He's giving the pass so the next pass is already on. So he's got information on the pass. His wisdom is amazing. His long passing is crisp. His short passing is crisp. He is very interesting. Now, the only thing is you can't tell when you're playing a German team from the second tier is where he is exactly in his development. But amongst our group, he's getting closer to the group. And you can judge versus our players. I mean, there's a position waiting for him in our team as that left eight. And when he gets it, it's over. Right? It's over. It's just a time thing. It's nothing more than that. It's a time thing. He's going to be a box-to-box passer, mover, creator, deep-line playmaker, can get to the edge of the box and play the final pass. And he's going to be very special. It's just a matter of, I hope people are patient because we do like to anoint people, myself included. Um, And we just need to be patient because every time he has a bad game, it doesn't mean the world ends, right? It just means... We just need to give him time. And and if he has that time, funny enough, I'm more convinced after seeing that little cameo that at any point, because he made a huge step for me in that game. And um, so, yeah, Yeah. he's going to be, he's going to be a player. What's his space? Uh, Tim, you want to add on that? Yeah, sure. Just on the kind of physique, physicality um, element of it. I think a lot of us, when we talk about a lot of fans in general, when we talk about this, we still think about it slightly wrong. We think about mus- muscle mass. That's what we think of when we think of like the physicality of a Premier League footballer. And actually, that that's not really what the coaches and et cetera are looking for. When they talk about the physicality of being a Premier League footballer, they're talking about repeatability of, sp- of sprints, explosiveness things like that now don't get me wrong being a bit willowy yeah you probably you know want to want to get some shoulders on you and you look at someone like Saka like Saka's not naturally built but you can tell he's you know you can tell he's he's done some lifting and he's got those shoulders nice and strong so he can fend people off but but like generally speaking you know you look at like someone like David Silva right in in central midfield again not not like hench by any means like quite wispy quite willowy but a a brilliant athlete very rarely injured running games from central midfield repeatability of sprint that type of thing that's what I think coaches and football teams really mean when they look at like so like Fabio Vieira for example I know a lot of people have been like oh he needs to get on the weights And, and yeah he probably does a bit but I don't think that's the physicality in today's Premier League. That's not the physicality teams talk about. They're they're thinking more about like, again, a player like Jordan Henderson, right? Obviously, he's in his 30s now. He's filled out, but he was all, always quite willowy. And of course, famously, Alex Ferguson didn't sign him because he felt he ran a bit hmm. weird, which sounded like a really weird comment. But this is exactly the sort of thing that, that managers will look at because he thought he'd be an injury um, you know, full of injury problems. And it, it, it's things like mechanics. Those are the things. Because you look at Smith Rowe, you wouldn't say Smith Rowe 
is like, oh, he's a bit willowy. Like uh, again, not hench, but oh, he's a bit willowy. But he's having he's had physical problems, right? And and that and that's probably a mechanics thing. And that's I think that's much more where we need to focus on when we look at players like Patino and Vieira. The fact that. Um, you know, they, the fact that a tight T-shirt wouldn't rip open on their chest at the moment, I don't think that's a problem. It's it's more mechanics and repeatability. Look, my, my T-shirts rip open all the time and it hasn't helped me at all in, in any aspect of my career. I, I will say that, like, there are players, too, who put muscle on and it doesn't work for their body. And a player that comes to mind is Jack Wilshire. Oh, Jack you. Wilshire, light on his feet, beat a man, good explosiveness in, in a short space, put muscle on to try to protect himself and lost himself, I think. Lost a little bit of that that lightness on his feet that made his him body so changed. hard to live within central midfield. Yeah, yeah. His body changed, and it changed over time. It took away his, his strength, which is ability to move. And when you have muscle, you have to carry Agility. that muscle around, right? And so yeah. you don't – if you look at – well, I've seen lots of pro players. Their upper bodies are very, very light. What we don't see so clearly on on TV is our lower bodies where all the power is. Right, look that's at Saka. Where, that's <laughs> where legs like tree trunks. That, yeah. That's what that's where all the power is. But if you look at, I don't want to go into this too deeply, but you you want to be looking for things like your, what's what's happening from your knee to your ankle. What's happening around your calf space? Is what does that look like? I mean, you know, I I, I could I spotted Lacazette's low in twenty nineteen. You know, and mm-hmm. you can see where his body shape was going. Right? And you have to predict these things. This is why I'm not so. I'm not so sure about Serge Gnabry, right? And um, mm-hmm. you got to you got to think why Bayern signed Coman and they didn't and and Sane. Look at their body types. Look at it, right? And predict the future, right? So, um, trust me, with a man with that similar body, uh, <laughs> I know I know what you're talking about, right? So, um, but you're absolutely right. I, I, I want to go on record as saying <laughs> Serge Gnabry may be trending in a direction. I don't know if I would say your body and his body are. <laughs> Similar? Like, I don't know. Hey, not similar. I mean, well, give or take. He might odd. be at like 6%, <laughs> which is too high for his, yeah. for his you know, I don't but, know. But, you know, I don't want to, it's, it's, it's not, it's about your ability to get to the ball, move the ball, re, get to the ball repeatedly. The ability to yeah, get yeah. to the ball. That's a level of physicality. When you arrive there. Hitting your spot. Foden. Yeah. Yeah, his yeah. his ability to travel is like unbelievable. He's got a motorbike, right? So it's it's that's what we're after. And Fabio Vieira's got it, and that's a really good point. And that's what we need. But Charlie Patino, back to where we started, his legs are moving. They're, the the legs are moving. He looks metronomic, and he's moving at a pace that men move. So that's a that's a he's got a chance. He's got a chance. Mm-hmm. I have to say, Clive, I think you are in perfectly acceptable shape. I think you you put work into it. You get on I the try. bike. You go for your walks. I do. When I first met you, I mean, I didn't see a, a, a Gnabry doppelganger exactly, <laughs> but but the similarity in body type, yes, definitely, definitely there, and it jumped. Thank out you, sir. Thank um, you. <laughs> you bet. You bet. And 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 I'm sure nearly the same player in your day. Um, there's there's a few more players that we should pick out from this, and like. I just want to quickly touch on Pepe, Tim. Like, you know, some players, they face lower opposition and they just dominate them. That's what they do. I mean, El Nenny with his, you know, trademark once in a while, blasted in from out of nowhere. Absolute galazzo, sensational goal from distance. Love it. He's going to be in the team. If you don't like him, you're going to have to warm to him because we're going to see him play. If you do like him, that's great. I think he is a player that, you know, we've seen him in the Europa League. Like, there's a certain level where El Nenny just looks like a different player safe 
maybe if you want to be critical, hiding at the highest level, but confident, dominant, aggressive at a lower level. And we saw a bit of that. But Nicola Pepe, it just doesn't seem to come out for us anymore. And and I don't, maybe I'm too much of a believer in the talent that's in his boots. I'm inclined to think that he's just someone who can't get on the page with his manager, isn't connected to the club anymore, and and we're just not going to see him able to give us what we need. Um, that goal against Wolves, probably the last great moment we'll see from Pepe. But do you have a sense of that? Because this is one of those weird ones that you'll get in preseason, right? A player who feels like he's pulling away from the club, the club feels like they're pulling away from him, and yet there he is, first preseason game, you know, out on the pitch, and it just... It, sometimes it just feels wrong, and this one just feels wrong now. Yeah, 100%. And I guess on that subject, seeing Lucas Torreira's Instagram this morning and him yep. flying into London for um, probably the first time he's set foot in London for quite a long time. Um, yeah, I, the way I'd summarise Pepe, I guess, is that we never had him as a, as a player, and last season we lost him as a person um, as well. Like like you say, that, that disconnect, mm. that kind of... You know, you know, like probably mutual between him and the manager. Like we don't hate each other, but you know this isn't working. I know this isn't working. This is like just drifting to an inevitable conclusion. We both know what it is at this point. Pepe probably doesn't even want to stay in the Premier League, um, I don't think, and probably wouldn't have many suitors there anyway. So it's not even like, you know, oh, if I show here, I might get a move to Chelsea or I don't know, or Aston Villa or something like I don't think I, I think this is just a this is an abort mission um, type thing, and and you know maybe he'll go back to France. I think that'll probably be his preference, but whether the economics of that work were, remain to be seen. But yeah, I mean tactically, it was never. I, I mean, I guess it's like it's like the Abamyang thing, but maybe less. I don't know. Maybe Abamyang's a bit more that kind of. I'm going to thump on the door and have this out type character, you know, and that, that brought actually just brought things to a swifter conclusion. Whereas with Pepe, it's kind of, yeah, this, this broke down footballistically a little while ago. It's probably broken down professionally now, but maybe, maybe Pepe should have just got really angry at Arteta in, you know, on December the 31st and got himself chucked out in the January transfer window. Um, or something, maybe that's the most viable way out of Arsenal if you really want to leave and you can't get your move. Maybe Lucas Torreira will do that. You know, maybe um, maybe he'll just pick a fight with Mikel Arteta tomorrow, and then you know he'll he'll probably get paid to leave. Uh, like, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, a hundred percent. We we know it hasn't been working for a while, and you know he he's lost his place to Saka indefinitely. He's lost his places even any sort of impact sub. Arsenal have, have been trying and by the looks of it have failed now uh, to land Hafinha as well. It's it's done. We all know it's done. and we all, But we all also probably know that this isn't getting resolved until August the 31st on loan <laughs> yeah. to somewhere in France. And we've just got to suck it up until then, I think. It's basically how much salary can we get covered by the team that's going to take him. And that's that's really it. And Tim, you mentioned Torreira, so I'll just stick with you for a second. The Pepe thing, it's it's weird, right? Because we definitely need more goals, but that doesn't feel like it's going to happen there. And I look at our forward line, and I think we'll still add to it, but even still, I'm comfortable giving it a go with what we've got. Midfield is just an issue, and it's an issue that's going to be an interesting one. You know, is there room for a Charlie Patino to find a place? Like, 
are we going to have Shaka and El Nenny rolling out as a double pivot on the first night, you know, against Palace? Like, I hope not, but like, there's some big, big things that have to be sorted out in midfield. I think we will go for one, but like, Torreira is a player who, whatever you think of him, plays a position that looks like it needs reinforcing in our squad. And so there'd be a place for him, but never seemed to warm to London, never seemed happy. I mean, once he started playing number 10 for Unai Emery, it feels like things went the wrong direction. He's been clear he doesn't want to be at Arsenal, but he has a contract with Arsenal. It's not like he's going to bigger clubs if he leaves us. So do you think there's any possibility for Mikel to get in his ear and and make a case for using him? Or do you suspect that much like Pepe, both player and club are content to see this go a different direction. Yeah, I, I think this is the. I think there's almost no chance we. I mean, we might. We'll probably see Torreira in a preseason friendly or two to keep him, you know, keep him fattened up for the window. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's quite clear on both sides. Like you say, like um, if you take away the not insignificant. Um, points about like his contract, the fact that he just never sat. Like, I don't think the Premier League was an issue for him. Really, he had a really, really good start. Um, but and and again, physically um, adapted pretty much straight away as well. I, I think it's more off the pitch. I, I do get maybe similar to Pepe. I, I I don't know actually. Maybe not so much Pepe, but I do get a little sense of immaturity. Um, from Torreira as well. I mean, to be honest, I'm not really bothered about him, you know, lifting his skirt for every Italian side. He's trying to find a move. We want him to move. It's all good. And we know that, like, his stock's fallen a bit, so no one's, like, yeah. banging down our door with loads and loads of money. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not really asked about that. But, you know, there, and, and I know he went through difficult times and things like that, but I, I think he made some slightly impetuous decisions as well, like going on loan to Atleti for a year and not playing. Like, that struck, you know, that struck me as a very, oh, my God, I've just got to get out of here to any team and didn't really think it through and lost the year of his career there again. It's it's a real shame because the thing Torreira is really, really good at is playing at the base of a diamond. And Arsenal basically play a diamond now, so there, there would be a spot for him. Whether he's got the distribution qualities, I mean, I, I think that's the main sticking point with Arteta, that he just hasn't got that does, side yeah. of the game. Um, which is kind of fair enough, but I, I'm with you. Like I, I, I think if say he had three years left on his contracts and um, didn't hate living in London so much, I think there'd be a space for him at the base of that midfield. I really do. But no, uh, absolutely done. And yeah, expect to see a lot more. Um, I've always dreamed of playing for Lazio slash Roma slash, slash Parma Napoli slash, slash Udinese <laughs> yeah. my whole life. And also he, 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 again, like, I don't know how bothered I am by this, but like he went to a, you know, cause he, he did that thing like a year or so ago about, like, oh, I must go to Boca Juniors. Um, and it's like, well, they're not going to be able to afford you, mate, are they? And like, <laughs> You're, you're Uruguayan and they're Argentinian, so it's not even like a hometown club. Like, what are you doing here? And he went to a Boca game last week and was pitching in a Boca shirt and all of that. And it's, you know, it's all just a little bit. I don't know. There's there's just a, a it, it feels off some of it to me, um, to be honest Imm- with you. Immature, like Tim. A, immature. It, yeah, yeah. I, I do get that that sense not like tragically so not like Gwen Doozy, like oh my god you're such a dickhead but do you know what I mean just a bit 
Yeah, well, that's the opposite problem because if he could have gotten his head right, he has the skills in his boots to make a difference. And I, that I left think Terrera would be perfect yeah. for him. It really yeah. would, but alas, yeah, yeah. But whereas Terrera is like a player who I don't think he's quite good enough to try to solve the other issues that are causing a problem. There, we got to talk about a different central midfielder, though. Um, but I think before we do that, like the one thing we should say because we've talked a lot about physique and physicality today, and like there are just these little things you can do in your game to get that extra 1%. Because like at the elite level, it's not the extra 10%. Now you're talking about that 1% that can make the difference. I wonder how many players could be elite, like properly elite, if they just weren't carrying that extra little bit of hair on their body that, that holds them back from whether it's from aerodynamics or comfort when they're running. And I look, I mean, it's pretty clear you know, Arsenal have a, a, a high performance facility. Maybe, maybe what that facility needs is more manscaping, more lawnmower 4.0s in there. Can we get that extra one percent by, you know, shaving, shaving down to the to the smoothest, most efficient part of the athlete? Well, you can do that. Hey, you, yeah, you. It says it right here on the copy that I'm reading. It asks if you've got Bush. Now, does that mean the former president of the United States? Or are they maybe talking about Kate Bush, uh, the singer? No, they're talking about hair in your privates. Yeah, I think this is meant to be like a, a an actual landscaping pun because it's manscaped, landscape, you know, the whole thing. Anyway, look, moral of the story is you got to keep yourself smooth. You got to keep yourself clean. You got to keep yourself operating at uh, peak efficiency. And to do that, you use the tools for manscaped. And the best one, the one that I recommend, the one that I use, not that you want to know about that, is the Lawnmower 4.0, the electric trimmer, uh, from Manscaped. It's a Bush's worst nightmare, it says here. First of all, it's got advanced skin-safe technology designed to work on loose skin thanks to a ceramic blade, yes, in this economy. Uh, it has uh, an LED trimmer, so you don't need night vision goggles, so you can see exactly what you're doing, right? You um, you can use it wet, you can use it dry. It has a long battery life, it has an induction charger, and when you get the Performance Package 4.0, you also get the Weed Whacker for a nose and ear hair, and a man of my age, you do need that. The uh, deodorant, the toner, and the Manscaped boxers, which, by the way, are my favorite pair I have. And so when you need that perfect pair of boxers, they're there. Look, get it all with 20% off and free shipping with code ARSENALVISION at manscaped.com. That's right. Manscaped, oh my gosh, look, right at the end of their copy. Kate Bush may be trending at the moment, but your Bush needs some help. That's interesting. I didn't know Kate Bush was trending, by the way. I wonder what that's for. Maybe I don't want to know. We'll see. Uh, 20% off and free shipping. When you go to manscaped.com, use promo code ARSENALVISION. That's manscaped.com, promo code ARSENALVISION. Save 20% off and free shipping. And once you've done that, you can focus on the other thing Arsenal needs to focus on, which is the talent pool, and they do it with the transfer market. You can do it with Indeed, because Indeed is the hiring partner that lets you attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. They got great tools. Not the lawnmower so much, but they got the instant match, they got the assessments, they got the virtual interviews. With instant match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data. Now, there's virtual interviews. I am virtual right now, right? I'm in Portugal. I'm in Lisbon. I'm going to be doing my job from this location. I'm going to be doing the podcast from this location because we can work virtually. Well, we should be able to interview that way. And virtual interviews saves you time. You can message schedule an interview all in one place. No downloads, no plugins. You can do it right from your browser. So there's no technology challenges with it. And employers said it saved them days of hiring time, according to Indeed data. So 
You need to do this. You need to join one of the 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job, plus earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to learn more. Claim your credits at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply to hire. You need Indeed. Clive, is that enough of that? Indeed. 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 Clive, Sammy Laconga. Mm. Let's say it didn't really impress with a weird group of players out there in the first preseason game, and I think that's enough to say he needs to go, he needs to be sold, <laughs> not good enough, not going to make it. No, I'm kidding. But, like, look, last season was his introductory season. Not a kid, not a child, was captain of his club side. We've been saying that for a while, has played for his national team. This isn't Charlie Patino, this is a player who should now be ready to contribute and ideally contribute regularly. He did contribute early last season. We lost him a little in the middle of the season, and when it was time to get him back, he really wasn't there for us at a critical juncture when we needed someone late in the season, and that someone wound up being El Elneny, not Sambi Lakanga. I would suggest in order for this transfer to wind up looking like a success, this is a season where it's going to need to be Sambi more often than it needs to be Mohamed Elneny. Mohamed Elneny is a good guy to have in the dressing room, a good senior player who can give you some minutes. But he's not the level we need if we want to hit the goals, the KPIs that we have. Sambi, I think, can be. This is the season he needs to be. So um, are you ready to, I, I don't want to say sell him, but consider selling him based on one half against <laughs> Nuremberg in the first preseason. Actually, he was fine, actually. Again, okay. you, so you, no, we're not selling him. Good. Yeah, you have, to, you have to look at, when, when I look at these games, what, what am I trying to what am I trying to see here, right? So I, I want to see how people look and how they make me feel. And so we spoke about Patino earlier. I thought, okay, I know you've got talent, but now you look different amongst this group. I looked at El Nenian, to, uh, to be fair to him, mate, his confidence is through the roof. He looked different in the group. He's like, he's saying, yeah, all right, lads, mm-hmm. don't worry. And, um, but Sambi, again, we, we spoke about physicality, but... There are certain positions, spinal positions, where I think you do need the right body shape, you know, the right size. And he looked stronger and bigger. And he looked more, we played a bit more authority. None of them were super sharp in that first half. None of them were. And I always hold back a little bit of that because we're never too sure what they've done that day. Sometimes they train in the morning and then play at night. I mean, crikey. Some players can do that. Some players can't, you know. So, um, so yeah, he... Um, he looked fine. I, I, it'd be interesting to see how he developed because when, when um, El Nini came on as like the dad, um, he suddenly looked better. But, but so did Gabriel Martinelli and so did Gabriel Jesus and everyone looked better, right? So um, so everyone looked better. So I, I'm not worried about him at all. I think he's got personality to get on the ball and he knows what he's doing. And I think he's got real bravery to try things. But I'm thinking maybe he's better one up, you know, and that, you know, he's one up rather than playing the the deeper role. I think he could develop there. I'm not say better there. I think he'll develop as a six. He'll be a six one day. But right now, let's get you on the pitch. Let's get you on the pitch. Just make sure you've got people around you. You've got a senior player around you. And let's see if we can get you just playing in our system and running games. And I, whether I think he's an eight or a six, it doesn't really matter. I need you on the pitch, the level of, responsibility that you can deal with and you can show your talent and you can build your confidence. And then we can put you in the scary position where you're standing in the middle of your pitch on your own and everyone else is 25 yards to your right, 25 yards to your left. That takes a certain amount of talent and experience, which he hasn't got yet. 
you know so um i think it's important that um, we recognize that and make sure there's always a shaka or an nenny next to him to allow him to um, grow into the team yeah yeah i mean that's i think that's fair enough I, it's not so much that like this this is a hard thing right i I want to be clear. Like, I'm, I'm not saying sell him on the basis of one half of, of preseason football. I'm just saying judge him thoroughly based on that. <laughs> I, I, I want – I like Sammy Conga, and I actually think Mikel maybe can look at himself a little bit for how last season went and not finding opportunities to use him more through the run where we were playing well such that he really didn't feel like he was there for him towards the end of the season. And look – he came on in some tough spots in that three-game losing streak that we had, right? The the Palace, Brighton, Southampton losing streak. Um, no one was great against Southampton, but that was a game where we dominated possession. They just sat deep, right? And we we couldn't break the door down. That wasn't a Samby issue. I think he actually looked good when he came on against Palace. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I I think that he's a player that we just need to give some opportunity to, and, and maybe he'll flourish. This... This season, the one thing I really do believe, and I know, Clive, that you felt that not having Europa League was a benefit last season. I think it proved to be a benefit that we didn't just – we came so close but not quite yeah. to take to taking full advantage of. But I do think for players like Sambi, the Europa League is going to be a blessing because I think he's going to start all of those games. And totally maybe, great. just maybe, that becomes like the catalyst for his Arsenal career to take off. Um, Tim, unless you want to add on Sammy, there's a couple other bits and bobs from this. Just, one. You have something? Yeah, just, just a quick one. There, there are two. Th- there are three things that could really benefit him this season. Definitely the Europa League. <clears throat> I definitely think again that left eight space. Um, would I'd be very interested to see him there and given the Europa League games there to try and develop. The second thing, well, the the, the second and third thing are linked. One of the reasons we couldn't find opportunities for some of these players was because we were never more than one goal ahead. Yeah, yeah. So you can't bring players on with 20 minutes to go like that when you're you know when you're scrapping for your life in a 1-0. So, you know, hopefully we can be 2 or 3-0 up a bit more often and give these guys yeah. 20 minutes at the end of the game. But also the five subs rule, um, yeah. you know, it 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 stands to reason to me that he'll be he should be another big beneficiary from that. So when Arsenal are 3-0 up in every single game, as they surely will be next season on <laughs> 60 minutes, we can give him that last 30 minutes. And and I really think one of the things that makes him interesting for that left eight role, like I'm looking at that left eight role, and, and I don't think Jack has done anything bad there, but I'm looking at we don't score enough goals. We need more goals. We've got the striker in to score some goals. That's going to help a lot but we need something more from there in the penalty area as well. I'm not sure whether Lukonga's got it in the penalty area, but what he's really got, what he does, what his, you know, superpower, as it were, tap the mug, is is ball carrying. And we don't yeah. have that in a lot of other players, actually. We have good technicians um, and we have, you know, players like Xhaka, like Elneny, um, but we don't have <clears throat> we don't have a lot of real ball carriers. I mean, we have one in Saka, and you can see how often we use him. So, and over on the right. So, if we've got one in this left eight space as well, who can carry and carry the ball over to the left as well? I, th- I think if I were him, I'd be looking at that and saying, okay, that's something I can bring to this team, um, not just to the position, but to the team. I am one of the few guys who has this attribute. So I'm going to work my balls off on it and try and break into this team. 
Clive? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I actually think he's my uh, breakout player for the season. And mm. if he grabs that position, we spoke about Guendouzi earlier on. So think about the, the similarities to how they play, how they drift, how they carry. They've got a personality to shoot when they shouldn't really. Do you know what I mean? They've got <laughs> similar, similar attributes. And we all saw the last game of the season when he came away in that position and we thought, oh, this is interesting. I do think that's the place for him to go. Whether we buy somebody on top of him, it's going to be interesting, you know. And I think sometimes in a preseason game, I know you guys dismiss it sometimes, but that Patino performance may allow more time for Sambi to play in the first team. And they say, well, actually, we're not going to put Sambi in the Europa League team. We're going to get, we're going to push him up one, and we're going to we're going to bed in Patino because we think he's close. And sometimes you put players on top and you make their journey harder. I love a Tielemans. I really want it. But we have, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm criticising myself here, conscious, sorry, contradicting myself, because I believe getting good players is, is, is important and making people fight. But if you do get a Tielemans, I do think it needs to be an exit. And it's not one of the young ones. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's your yeah. mate, Elliot. It's your mate. Right, so um, and so there needs to be an exit. I mean, is that legal? I still, I'm still not convinced that player is allowed to leave the club. <laughs> He's got pictures of someone. I don't, I don't know. It's just but you know what I mean? Because you create room, then you create room for that development. Yeah. And I think no, that Patino performance may drive the transfer strategy, and that's how I mean, things that, are. I mean, that can change in preseason. Yeah, I mean, I'd like it to be based on you know maybe just a little bit more concrete information. But like, I agree with you that that some players do need to move on to make room only because their personality and their presence dominates a department of the pitch so thoroughly that no one else can really grow into it while that person is there. Um, you know, and I think that there's, we saw some of that with some of the other senior players that have gone, whether it was a Mesedozo or an Aubameyang or what we you know, whatever the case may be, there are players that dominate areas of the pitch and you moving on from them gives other players opportunities to grow into responsibility and prominence in that area. I'm going to just reference Matt Turner not the debut he would have hoped for. There's some people saying Runnerson. I think that's premature. I mean, the thing I'll say about Runnerson is I think I'm taller than Runnerson, which in a goalkeeper is concerning. Turner's, I think, six foot three, um, which at a minimum means he can like reach the top of the goal. <laughs> like, you know, he can reach all areas of the goal. Um, you know, he hasn't exactly played top level football himself, but my attitude is, as you know, we have a goalkeeper. His name is Aaron Ramsdale. And he's going to play all the league games. And so can Matt Turner play the Europa League in the domestic cups? If he can't, then you find someone who can. But I still maintain that the easiest thing in football to find is a competent backup goalkeeper. I really, really do. And I I don't think you should ever be spending big money to get it, um, which is why Ramsdale wasn't a backup goalkeeper. He was a starter, and we bought him, and we got him, right? And, it, and that worked out, and everybody's happy, and I, it went exactly as I expected, and that's why um, you know, I said all the things I said, none of which you can go check because they're not on record. So it's all good. And uh, we're going to try to get John Harrison on the pod to do some goalkeeping breakdown because he is the absolute best at that. You're going to enjoy that when we do that. So um, Maitland-Niles, Tim, you know, another one in this category of – plays a couple of different roles we could use, can play right back, and we don't necessarily love our options there past Tomiyasu, can play in midfield, and we look a little light in there. Another example, though, of a player whose career has drifted, has made some questionable choices or comments at least, hasn't always had a manager that backed him, or if the manager did back him, maybe he didn't want to do what was being asked. I mean, it's impossible to know that for sure, but 
you know, these players come back and they're players you see in preseason. We're like, oh yeah, that guy had a little bit of that with Maitland Niles. He went from a really exciting Academy player. We're looking forward to, to a guy where I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about him. Do you think that's another one who's in the departure lounge and this will just be a little preseason reunited or, or has a, has a path back? A hundred percent gone. Um, again, mm-hmm. another one with one year left on his deal, and one that, in hindsight, we should have taken the money from Wolves when it was on the table. And yes, sir, he he can only reflect on um, some of the decisions he's made as well, because like he should be looking at Arsenal, you know, trying to push out the boat to buy a player like Lissandro Martinez because he can play three different positions, and Arteta is you know apparently willing to pay quite big money for a player like that. And, you know, you should be thinking, God, when I, when Arteta first got here, I was getting in the team because I'm what he wants. I'm that right back that can tuck in. I'm that left back that can go outside. You know, I can, I can help us go from like a back three to a back four, depending on whether we've got the ball or not. Like he's got, he had, has, I think let's talk about him in the past tense now. He had all of the attributes to be a success in this team. And by the way, you know, just being back up left back at Arsenal would have got him a lot of minutes and a lot of important games. And and hell, he started the cup final, right, in 2020, uh, playing all right as a left wing back when we were playing back five. But that that on its own would have got him minutes, would have got him plenty of minutes. Um, and, you know, he should be looking at someone like Elneny, who can only play one role in the team, getting a new contract, um, you know, when he's, what is he, 30 at the moment, Elneny? Um you know, he should be looking at this and just thinking, God, I'm better than El Nenny. And I, I can play 31 today, Tim, actually. It's his birthday. <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, well, there you go. There you go. Ha- happy birthday, Mo. So, you know, it, it, it's really frustrating. It's really frustrating. Maitland Niles has been, I don't know whether he's been badly advised or whether it's, you know, him or whether he's just been unlucky with some of the decisions he's made. I mean, he's got a right to say, actually, I'd prefer to be a central midfielder. But there also seems to be some indecision because he has said, you know, oh, I, I, I will play fullback. Like, I don't think he's ever done, you know, the interview, like, I hate playing fullback, I'll never play there. But again, it, it just like a lack of, a lack of decisiveness, I think, a lack of all right, I can play this role in this team. I can, and I'll get a lot of minutes. Or being like, no, no, I'm going to go. Like it all, it all feels a, feels a bit Theo Walcott up front. You know, like I want to play up front. Mm, no, I don't want to play up front anymore. Oh, I want to play up front. Mm, no, I don't want to play up front anymore. And I, you know, I, I just, yeah, he, he's just someone who hasn't made a firm decision about his career, and now he's in limbo. And and you know, to go back to our Smith Rowe conversation, I mean, I, I don't think certainly not immediately, Smith Rowe's not in any danger of this, but that'd be a cautionary tale, right? Everything we were talking about Smith Rowe earlier, again, if you're that mm-hmm. coach or whoever having that conversation with him saying, Don't become like this guy, you know, um, try and figure <laughs> out what you are and go for it. And that that's that's what you always want to see a young player doing, just like I was talking about with Sambi Lakonga. What am I good at? What can I bring to this team? Right, that's what I'm going to go for. That's what I'm going to try and show the coach every day. And and Maitland Niles, he like he had that. He had it in his hands. That versatility. It was a strength and not a weakness. But he treated it like a weakness. And he's he's going to go this summer. And he's probably going to go to Nottingham Forest or Fulham or someone like that. And he's going to fight relegation like he did when he won loan to West Brom. And you know that's that's I, I'm sorry that's on him. Um, and it's, it's, it's a shame because he could be a useful player for us. 
Yeah, he, he's a very different player from Joe Willick, but I feel similarly about both of them in the sense that neither of them do the one thing you have to do in midfield well enough, and that's pass the football. Neither of them pass the football well enough. Both of them have exciting skills that make them very, very interesting, but neither of them pass the football well enough to regularly start in midfield at the elite level. And Joe Willick can run with the ball, make long driving runs, arrive in the box and score goals. And Maitland Niles can step past someone, play the longer passes from the fullback position. He is a shutdown defender when he's switched on and focused and wants to be. They are both players that I think it is hard to know where their position is. And much like an Alex Awobi, I guess, unless you find that manager who comes along and really gets who you are and gets what you do and you buy into what that manager is telling you and that manager buys into the thing they see in you. And when that happens, sometimes those players just click. And sometimes that doesn't happen. To Arsene Wenger's credit, Arsene Wenger had that quality in a way very few managers do. And the reason I say that is, look at some of the players that were great at Arsenal who left Arsenal and stunk the place out because he found just the way to use them. Alex Kleb, right, couldn't play at all when he left the club, but just the way to use him in a pocket of space where his dribbling was good. And yeah, we were sometimes frustrated that he wouldn't shoot, but like we got something out of him. I think Arsene Wenger got the best out of Alex Awobi for a while to really bring Alexis into the game and, and dovetailed nicely with Ozil and Giroud. Like there's... There's just ways you can get these players to perform, but at some level, they have to have just the right set of responsibilities to to bring out their their characteristics. And I don't think that's going to happen for Maitland-Niles. Um, I don't think we need to go any farther on that, Clyde, but I do see you leaning into the microphone, and I know you want to have a nibble, so why don't you have a nibble? <laughs> well, players change. We'll, we'll switch gears to just a little bit of transfer stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Players change. You know, it won't be developed differently now. He's now he's now an eight, and he can be he could be a quite good one. You know, he's played wing back, he's played full back, he's played up top. And now I'm thinking, actually, he's now improved his defensive side. And towards the end of the season, Everton was struggling. He stepped up, mate. He'll be an eight, and he'll be a really good eight. You know, a very good eight. What's the space on that one? Mate, and I was, mate, uh, I'm not going to add on what Tim said because you know my frustrations here. And I'm going to, I never swear on the podcast, but I'm close. All right. So, um, <laughs> and um, yeah. It just disappoints me. And, and, you know, I'm looking at Cedric, the player we bought to play both-sided fullbacks. And I know Maitland-Niles can do that job. Why did we have to go to the market? You know, uh, and because there wasn't a level of acceptance of role, right? So um, accept your gift. You're both-sided fullback. And you have done it. You kept Bosaya Saka on the bench in a cup final. You can do it. You know, and um, you can be that transition defender that inverts and stops people breaking. Who's going to run past him? I mean, oh, it's just so frustrating, mate. It really is, you know. Not every one of our academy people got to be a superstar. Just be a functional football player so we haven't got to go out to the market and buy a Cedric or a Grimaldo. Do you know what I mean? And that's what we're talking about right now. And that disappoints me a lot. Yeah. All right. So let's let's do the last few minutes of the pod on Pablo Marie. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to keep making that joke. Um, I, I don't know that that's a classic example of a, a preseason player who you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> like you don't have any appetite to see anything further. Um, why don't, what do we do? Just a, I think that's enough on the game. There's going to be more games and, and more to dig into from games. Let's do just a little bit on transfer stuff. Um, we were linked with Paqueta 
And depending on what you believe of people's opinions on the internet, he's either the best player in league on who's not named Messi, Neymar, or Mbappe, or he's not a good fit for us. I'm like that man in the desert looking for a drink. So I'm excited about it. And I would sign him right now based on no information about him whatsoever. But Clive, do you have a, do you have a Paqueta thought? I mean, normally I might just write this off because it has the feeling of an out of nowhere rumor that isn't going to happen, but he is Brazilian, I believe. So that adds a veneer of believability to it these days. What's your thought? Yeah. I, well, just about the players is, is it, He's a lovely player. I remember I asked him about him probably about a couple of years ago. I remember actually on the podcast or pre-podcast chat because he just stood stood out to me. And I thought, wow, what play he is. Again, he's he's played left, he's played right, he's played false nine, he's played in, you know, he's played left eight. Again, I'm not sure what he is, but then I, I urge you, again, like I did with um Savic the other day, when you look at the YouTubes, you're gonna be you're gonna fall in love. Right, because mm-hmm. he's a he's a stand up footballer, loads of talent, a little bit one footed, but which is his left. But he's very talented. Again, people then have a massive debate: how are we going to use him? Where are we going to use him? Who does that affect? Yeah, I, and I also know that um, he played with Bruno Grimares. Tim, help me, help Grimares. me. Grimares. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Leon. And I've always felt he was going to go to Newcastle. So I'm wondering if these latest rumours are just there to flush out that offer. No one's offered. They're asking for silly money. Um, Leon are asking for silly money, sorry. And I love the player, but I just feel we could be potentially being used to to get a player's price up and get some interest. But if he was this so-called secret player that Arteta's looking for, I wouldn't be unhappy. But, yeah, i just not too sure on the rumours, Elliot. Yeah. Um, I'll switch over to you on a different one, Tim. And that is Tielemans. Like we've said everything there is to say about whether we want him or what he would do, but like the rumors seem to be popping back up. And, and I have an attitude towards this one, which is I've always thought he fills a need we have. I think he's at the right age. I think the price looks reasonable. The player wants to come. He, so I think can solve a few problems, right? If we need to be in a double pivot, he can kind of do it, but he can also play that left eight. He's Premier League tested. He's the right, you know, he's the right point of his career to step in and just be ready. It just feels like a deal we can do, we should do, and, and I still think we'll do. I mean, is your attitude like, okay, just get this one done. We're in the preseason now. The games will be here before you know it because as we've discussed on a previous pod, there's five of them in August. <laughs> Yeah, I've probably moved more into that space now because it looks like, you know, my my theory was always that um, they probably realised they couldn't get Slash afford uh, Hafinha, Martinez and, uh, sorry, Martinez and um, and Tielemans. And, you know, I think the sun has very much set on the Hafinha chase. Barcelona are going to bankrupt mm-hmm. themselves doing that deal um good for them long yeah, may it continue indeed <laughs> and uh yeah and uh, martinez as well um yeah that that kind of although a lot of the talk is that you know that that isn't dead for arsenal by any means but but like the half in your one that that's that's absolutely gone um so yeah i like i really like uh, lucas paqueta uh, a lot i think he's a really really good player i think he'd be really really good for that left eight i do wonder because he's he's a he's a he's a tenny eight as it were i do wonder how that would work with him and Erdegaard. um like i i'm not sure i see the symmetry between those two players 
necessarily. Maybe I'm wrong there because maybe again, Silver and De Bruyne, uh, you know, um, and, and I think we do need more offensively a Paqueta for, for Brazil. But essentially what Brazil do is they start him as one of their eights when they play crap teams, but when they play good teams, they start Fredge there uh, from Manchester United, who, by the way, is a far, far better player than he looks at Man United. And one day people are going to realise the fact that all these brilliant players look shit at Man United. There's a common denominator. <laughs> um, but Fredge, is, he's, he's a really, really good player. In fact, do you know what? That... I, that's a transfer I'd do for Arsenal, um, to be honest, if if I could. Um, but yeah, so so what Brazil do, they tend to, you know, if we're going to have all of the ball and we're going to win 4-0, we'll play Pacata there. If not, and we need a bit more security, we play Fredge there. So, you know, I mean, maybe something similar would be an option for Arsenal, you know. Um, we play Xhaka there against the big teams and... And you know, Pakatar against against the the kind of the crap. But I I, I agree with Clive. I, I don't actually think there's any substance to this from an Arsenal perspective. I should mention that it's sort of weird that the Rafinha to um, Barcelona deal is seventy two million. It appears that they are going to pay five hundred thousand the first year, and they've promised seventy one point five million the second year. Um, I'm sure Leeds will get that cash. So no worries, Leeds. I'm sure it's coming. No, Le- Leeds must be looking at this transfer, thinking, "Oh yeah, we we used to do this stuff about 20 years ago." <laughs> <laughs> Look where that good, got us. Good luck to you. I, I tell you what, if I was doing a deal with Barcelona, I wouldn't be in- accepting any deals and in installments. I don't know if if you saw that story. Who was it who turned mm-hmm. down? Um, an installment deal from Barcelona because they weren't confident they'd exist. <laughs> yeah, like if you go around someone's house and they got a lot of past due notices sitting on their front stoop, like you you don't take installment deals from them. Um, Clive, the Grimaldo news strikes me a little bit like the Zagrova news. Like I'm just not choosing to believe it because I don't think it does much for us. Like it feels very Cedric-y to me, right? Like a, a cheap player <laughs> to be a backup who ultimately someday you're going to see him playing for you and going, we didn't really want this player to begin with. And now he's playing and we don't want him playing. And like, I'm not, you know, maybe he's a little better than Cedric or not. And maybe you love Cedric and you're listening to this going, Cedric's good. Leave him alone. Like point is these aren't move the needle deals. It's also not move the needle cash, but I'd be inclined to say there's, there's no need to do this. Maybe I, I, this is one of those areas where I'm like, surely we have a young, exciting player that can just play the role as well or better, you know? Now, there's a guy in the youth team called Lino Sosa that's not quite ready yet, but when he is ready, it, it'll be it'll be fine because mm. he's got he's a talent they got him from West Brom. Looks like a good player. Only 17, though. So, Grimaldo, I'm not an expert on him, but I've done my watching, and, yeah, I... I I saw some critique of your Cedric uh, comment on Twitter. Not that you're not that you care. <laughs> I, he's better I than Cedric. Genuinely don't. <laughs> he's better I than Cedric. I mean, well, he he may be better than Cedric, but better than Cedric is not the bar we're trying to just <laughs> just like get over, just slightly climb over. You know? I think that, I think the the adult debate is our left side, right the way along mm. from our, our left back and the issues we've had left back for two seasons. Our, our, our left sided eight. You know, and we spoke. We started off talking about Smith Rowe on on the left on the left up front. That left side is a development area, right? And how we're on the right side, we are pretty cool. Right? We, none of us are arguing any, any positions there. Pick where everyone's fit. 
our central defenders. We, we've added to that pool. Um, we, we sort of know we're doing at the base of midfield and to the right side of our of our pods, for example. The left side, we could we could chat all day on it. Yeah, we really could. It's been a it's been a problem for us. And it what's the plan? What's the plan with Quirantini, who's got a contract to I think twenty six? What's the plan with Nuno? Who some people hate, some people will give him a chance. With looking at backups, are we going to loan Nuno? Are we looking to buy somebody to to eventually take over from Tierney, who potentially could go to Newcastle or Man City, who would take him in a, in a flick of a switch? Uh, what are we doing here on his left hand side? You know, and I think that's the discussion to have. What is the plan, or do we do nothing? Do we say, you know what? We we develop Nuno. We've got Saliba in now. We know Tomiyasu can play left back. So if you're worried about Nuno playing some games, we've potentially got cover. With Saliba coming in, we can move him to right back or White to right back. So we've got more defensive cover in there. So we can we can develop Nuno in house, or we or do we develop him outside of the club and make his mistakes out of the limelight? But yeah, I'm not sure about buying players like Grimaldo. I, I'm not seeing anything that impresses me. I'm not an expert here, but I'm thinking, what, what problems do you solve for me, mate? That's what I'm thinking. That, yeah. What problems do you so, solve for so, me? Who do you stop? You know, who do you stop? You know, can you can you stop Kulisewski? Can you stop Salah? Well, I'm not sure, right? You know, can, can you stop these players? I don't think so, Elliot, but that's most of my view. Here's the point. We can have a grown-up conversation about whether it's time to think about moving away from Kieran Tierney. We may need to do that. That may need to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody, even if they think I'm too low on Grimaldo, is going to say he's a Kieran Tierney replacement. He's not. No one thinks that. And so at the point that he's a Kieran Tierney backup, like, and you and I are you know, not where everybody else is on this— I'm fine just using Tavares. I really think he has a skill set that's interesting and worth leaning into. But like, if the goal is to replace Tierney, this isn't the guy to do it. If the goal is to back up Tierney, I'm okay with who we have there. Some people aren't, and I, I get that. And like, you know, that, like, let's face it, right? Like, um, Arteta may be the one who doesn't believe that guy can back up Tierney, so that may be the issue. Um, and Tim has typed in that Lissandra Martinez feels more like replacement. I agree. I think that's probably the role that was considered. I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. Clive? Yeah, well, this is it. This is the conversation, isn't it? If we're prepared to spend 50 mil on Martinez, and who's a centre-back by trade, paying 10% of his game as left-back, but we're going to use him as inverted left-back, that makes a lot of sense to me. What does that mean for Kieran mm-hmm. What does that mean for Nuno? What's, where are we going here? Where are we going on this left side? This is the discussion, mate. This is the discussion to have that none of us are really 100% clear on at the moment. Yeah, well said. And I think um, with that, like the only thing I'll add is that Saliba is back. He's at Arsenal. Last word, Tim, like, actually, I'm going to say one thing real quick. Jack Wilshire joining as the U- U18, right? U18 uh, Coach and we say we say under eighteen. Under under eighteen. U eighteen is a submarine they used in World (laughs) War One. The U eighteen. Sorry, under eighteens. Sorry, sorry. Everyone's well. Given that most most of our club is now Brazilian, it would be a sub uh, sub desoito. There you go, (laughs) sub desoito. I wonder how his Portuguese is coming (laughs) along, but I do love Jack Wilshire. I mean. And I, he will always be Arsenal for me, and I'm glad he's here. I mean, the most important thing is if he's qualified and if he can do the job, we'll find that out. But, like, I do love him. I'm glad he's back, and we wish Jack the best. But the last point, then, is Saliba. 
There was some rumor he was going to sign a new deal today. It doesn't seem like that's happened. I mean, I, I do think it is important just in the sense that we are going to get to that position with him where we start to worry about protecting asset value. But that's a conversation for another day. Tim, I would just say this. I'll be the first one to raise my hand, and I have on Twitter and I have on here and say, I got this dead wrong when we gave his number away, when we sent him away last season, when he didn't play a minute. I thought, you know what? He was signed by the prior regime. Arteta doesn't particularly care for him. He's going to go play, play somewhere else, and that's how this is going to pan out. Now, that still could happen. Nothing's decided yet, but we're now on that approach, that taxiway towards seeing what will happen. I think an important preseason for him to come in, to be part of the group, I think he makes us a lot better because I think he gives us a lot a lot of optionality at center back. And if we want to play a back three, which we did for a little bit, by the way, on the second half against Nuremberg, like Nuremberg, he, he gives us a really interesting back three with White, Gabriel, and, and Saliba. And then we can do different things at wing back. We don't have to play Tierney if he's not there, right? We can play a Gabriel Martinelli as a wing back, which I think we did in this game, by the way. So a, a player I'm excited to see if he can get an Arsenal career going we're going to find that out, I would think, over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. The the I saw a tweet from someone this morning saying that he'd come into training with his agent. Um, I don't know how normal that is. Maybe they all come in with their agents on the first day. And obviously, if you come in with your agent, um, I mean, he's not there to watch, is he? Um, but that that conversation that that could be that could be here's a new contract. That could be we want to leave. That could be. I think the most likely is. It's just a conversation about like, okay, where, where do we see this going? Um, I, this this is like Saliba is, I, I know everyone got weary of the like a new signing lands uh, thing during the Wenger era, but this really, really is because he's never played for us before. So basically what we've got now, I mean, obviously what we bought was an 18-year-old for 27 million, which made you think, God, he, he must be good. But but what we've got now is a 21-year-old for 27 million. Like, let's erase the last, like, three seasons. That would be really exciting. Like, if we'd just paid 27 million pounds for a 21-year-old centre-half who's on the, like, who's been in the France squad a couple of times, let's say we just signed him from Marseille, hugely exciting uh, deal. And so, yeah, definitely. And And, you know, Clive was talking earlier about uh, and I completely agreed, by the way, uh, it's, you know, I did an article last week on like the left eight and some of the options that we have there. And uh, I mean, it, I know it doesn't sound like Xhaka's going, but I I, I think, for example, if we did get Tielemans, I'd be open um, to that and, and as, as a sale. And I feel similarly about Rob Holding. Um, obviously not as big um, a player for Arsenal, but very much like it feels to me like, He's in a holding pattern, haha, <laughs> and it's very much like if you know we get through preseason and Saliba's happy and maybe they open contract talks. I, you know, I've got a feeling that holding might go through the door. It might just be one of those. Yeah, we can get eight million for you. Um, you know, you've done a good job for us. Thanks very much, but we're going to go in a different direction because now we've got the centre backs we want, and and that also would make sense again going for um for Martinez as well. Um, you know, you wouldn't see room for holding there if we had another centre-back like that. So there's there's a few irons in the fire here, but my, my read on this is that he's come back with an open mind and he hasn't come back thinking, I'm, I definitely want out or I definitely want to sign a new deal. I think what happens over pre-season and what happens in training and the conversations they have, maybe some of the team selections for the first few games will, you know, I, I think it's, a, I think, I think basically my read is, 
I'm taking this quite face value and that everyone's quite open-minded, but the next like six weeks or so will set the tone for what does end up actually happening with Saliba. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think there's, um, you know, there's, there's maybe a little meat on this bone in the sense that I, I think the presumption that it's just all good now and here we go. And his career starts, like, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're there yet, Clive, but as a final word, like, I think we're certainly in a better position than I thought we might be at this point. And now there's a chance for it to go the direction we all hope it does. Yeah, this is the most, most interesting signing in our recent history, shall we say, to sign someone yeah, so young. Most debated. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then to make decisions that we made on him, many decisions, some right, some wrong. Let's be honest, he lost three months of his career playing with children in the under-21s league, under-23s league. Not good for him, not good for his ego. And if he comes back and signs a new contract and starts playing, that is Lazarus stuff, right? It really is. It's... um. Because he is a player. He is a proper player playing at the top level, playing at one of the best international teams in the world, if not the best. And he's very close to holding down a spot. Right? So you can't ignore that. That is serious. As Tim said earlier, if we were to try to buy him now, it's north of 50. Easy, north of 50. Too much potential, too much time on his side. Too much stuff that's very hard to teach. His presence and aura is unbelievable. The way he wins jewels is incredible. I think, you know, it may be, much like we spoke about Torreira, I think there was a maturity issue here, and it needs to be resolved. And he looks more mature now. He's working hard in preseason before he even gets to Arsenal, like many players do. I don't think he's come here to carry the, to carry the water bowls. No chance. If he signs a new contract, he's here to be part of this group. Just in an interview with Klopp just now talk about he's got four brilliant centre-backs. That's what you need. You need four brilliant centre-backs. We potentially have three. We need to do something else with, with another one. Is that um, Pablo Marie? <laughs> or, or is that... Is no, that it's, it, it's not. Are you it, sure? It better not be. Not for my sanity, please. Well, I no. watched the game of the weekend, and trust me, there's been no improvements there. In fact, it's actually got worse. Right, so, uh, is that Pablo Marie? Is it Rob Holding? I'm not sure it's either. I think we'll develop another. That we'll we'll find a, a fourth centre back, shall we say? But I'm hoping Sleeper gets on the boat, Elliot, because he's a very good player. Yep. And with that, I am going to get on a float in a pool with a drink that has booze in it. I don't care that it's 10:54 in the morning. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's it's five o'clock somewhere. It literally isn't five o'clock anywhere because it's it could be four fifty four somewhere. Five fifty four. But it can't. anyway, you know what? Let's leave it there. Uh, the jet lag is starting to kick in. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. Tim's on Twitter, Sir Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. My name is Alex Smith, Bachman, Twitter at Yankee Gunner. There may be just a slightly bit less Paul uh, over the next three weeks, given that I'm in European time. Tim and Clive are in European. Well. Actually, we're all on UK time because Lisbon is is on the same time. So more of the story is makes it a little trickier to coordinate with Paul because I I have morning availability more than other stuff. So anyway, uh, he will be doing a lot of stuff on the Patreon side. Uh, putting Paul behind the paywall was honestly probably the smartest thing we could have done, should have done it ages ago, and, and long may it continue. I'm kidding. We love Paul. We love Scott. We love everybody. We love you most of all for listening. Thank you for being here. And uh, as news breaks, we will cover it sort of maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We love you. And we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10, Transfer Window Note.